Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. I'm your host, Noam Raider, and as always, I'm so happy that you're here. I know I start every episode this way, but it kind of just like is comforting to me at this point, just like a little sense of um, normalcy. But anyways, I feel like I was just recording my last intro like a few days ago, but somehow it's already been a couple weeks and we're here again with another episode, which is great and exciting, but also terrifying how quickly 2022 has literally just flown right past me. I swear New Year's was like a week ago. Like I keep writing February in the date. I swear to God, my brain just cannot fathom the fact that we're almost halfway done the year. Like I I can't even talk about it anymore. It's going to freak me out. But the good news is, is that the weather is finally getting nicer here in Toronto. And that's super exciting because I am definitely a summer baby. I need the sun. I need the heat. And it just feels really good, even though it's literally only like 15 degrees Celsius. But I am beaming just being able to go on a walk and um, take that study break literally is just everything I need and more. So that's definitely pulling me through. Today's guest is super exciting. We're going to talk all about finances and finances in your 20s, as well as navigating career changes and all that good stuff. She is super insightful and super interesting. So I know you guys are going to absolutely love it, especially if you're like me and navigating a lot of life changes in your early to mid 20s, taking on more responsibility with your personal finances and realizing, wow, okay, it's time I start learning what I'm doing with my money. So. We'll get to that soon, but first, let's do a little bit of a catch-up. Last we spoke, I was about to head off to New York to just see some old friends and catch up with new friends, and I did that, and I had just the most incredible week. The energy in New York is like no other. I've been a few times before, but not in my like adult years. I think the last time I went, I was like 18. So just on the cusp, but I went with my family. So it was really, really cool to experience New York, not only as an adult, but also I was staying with a friend who's been living there for a couple years, a friend from my childhood. And then I also got to meet a bunch of internet friends from social media who also live in New York, which was really fun. And just experiencing the city through people who live there and not so much all the touristy stuff. Like I never even went to Times Square, which kind of feels weird going to New York and not going to Times Square or the Empire State Building or really any of that. But it was really, really, really nice and just lots of really good girl time and great conversations. And the energy there is so inspiring and contagious. I just wanted to create content while I was there. Like in real time, I wasn't really posting that much, but just creating. And when I got home, I just wanted to continue that creativity streak and I felt so motivated and inspired and wanted to connect and talk to people online and in real life. But then reality hit and I got home and I realized that it was time to start studying for my boards. I had just under two weeks between getting home from New York and when my boards exam are going to be. They still haven't happened. My boards are in three days now. Today is Friday and I am writing on Tuesday. So reality hit and it was definitely an adjustment going from just like hanging out with friends and walking around all day and exploring things and being a little more stress-free. And although I did do some work while I was in New York, I will definitely say like I, I did my flashcards every day, which take me like an hour and I would do a little bit of extra work and email some days as well. Um, it was definitely kind of a harsh slap into reality coming back and just 
sitting away at my desk and studying for eight plus hours a day for my boards. But here we are. I've made it through. Well, not through just yet, but almost on the other end. But yeah, I've just really had a really, I guess, chill couple weeks, but they've been busy, but all at my desk. But I'm really excited to kind of finish up these boards and finally be like really, really done with med school. I feel like if you guys listen to my podcast or follow me on social media, you know I've kind of said that I'm done um, a few times. Like I was done my rotations at one point and then I was done as in I matched a residency. And now I'm going to be done as in I'm done my rotations. All those evaluations are done. I matched a residency and I'll also be done my boards. Of course, I need to pass, but like fingers crossed that's going to be fine. And then in July, I start residency and graduation is in about two and a half weeks from today. And that's when I can finally call myself doctor and have that little MD at the end of my name. A lot of you guys have DM me asking why I haven't changed my Instagram name or bio yet. And I don't know if I'll ever change my Instagram name. I don't know if I want the doctor or the MD in my Instagram name, because I think something super important to me is emulating the fact that your career, your job, uh, your titles are just not everything that you are you're a whole entire person and being outside of that so i don't let's come to my page and think that it's just going to be me my life as a doctor my life as an md that's just part of me so i'll probably put it in my bio but i'm too superstitious to do that before graduation day so after may 25th i will add it to my bio and take out med student but anyways guys let's get into today's episode you guys are going to absolutely love it Today, we'll be chatting with Patricia Whittaker. She is the founder of a platform called Firefy, which helps people learn how to manage their finances through a holistic and fun and engaging format and really take control of their life as, as much as we like it or not, finances are a huge part of our world. She chats all about her journey of entering the world of finance and working in the stock markets of Tokyo, New York, and the UK, and finally where she is today and what led her to found this platform. We also, of course, chat about money tips and finance tips for anyone in their early 20s, and I learned a lot from this conversation, so I hope you guys will as well. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Well, hello, everyone. I am Patricia Whitaker. I am originally from New York City. Um, I am one of those typical, at the time, second generation Italians uh, that came over. And so my whole life revolved around food and debate. And that probably shaped a lot of my future and choices for my career. Um, I, I love travel, but the, the, the food element comes into when I travel, like every conversation with my family is about food. So food's very important. Part of my life, um, growing up, money, because we're going to talk about money today. So you know that my family ran like the full gauntlet of money. Like we we were quite well off, I think, when I was quite young, and then the economy turned quite bad, and like the holes in my jeans were not trendy at the time. It was just for like lack of cash, and then we we sort of settled into the middle class. And I have to say, growing up, I never remember not being happy because of any financial situation. So I also learned very early on that money and happiness are, are two very separate things, although they can help each other out. You can't just have money and expect to be happy. So that was also a really important lesson from my childhood. My superpower is like my intuition and my instinct drives people in my life crazy because I'm very intuitive. And so what is going on? And I ask too many questions. 
and my worst trait is my patience, but I kind of like it because it tells me I'm still a New Yorker. <laughs> There's no New Yorker that is patient, so I sort of like that about me. Um, I love change. It drives a lot of what I do in my life. Um, I, I love it as much as I like pasta and tequila, but as much as I like change, I have been smart enough to keep my parents' two best characteristics, and that's my dad's perseverance and my mother's kindness. So I didn't wipe everything out of my past away during trying to make change, change, change. I did have kept those two qualities very, very dear to me. And that is um, definitely a little tidbit of advice I can pass down the pipe is to you know realize that little piece of your parents that you want to keep with you all throughout your life. Um, I still love New York, but I left because I do like change and I, did a small stint in Tokyo and I lived in London for a while, but now I've settled down in Barbados. I came for I came for a visit to see friends and I'm now here 18 years. <laughs> and I have my husband and I've been together that whole time. And I have a 10-year-old daughter. And yeah, just really I've been really looking forward to speaking with you today because I love that your generation is uh, smart enough to know that money is really important to you guys and that you your generation seems to be exploring all the really great life skill questions that you don't get taught in school and a lot of times you don't get taught at home. And I'm really excited to be here to share my experiences with money and investments. And um, yeah, so here we are. That's awesome. I always find it really interesting when people start by introducing themselves more so about their personal qualities, about their family, how they grew up and kind of framing that into how it transitions into their career and kind of who they are in their professional sense kind of for this podcast most often. So I thought that was really cool. I'm definitely really interested to see how those kind of characteristics play into, like you mentioned, your life choices, you're moving around so much and living in Barbados, which sounds amazing. And I'd love to just hear more about your career journey to bring you to moving to Barbados and working from there. And what made you enter the financial world initially and how have has your life decisions kind of influenced your career shifts to where you are now? Well, I did not, I was not one of those people that like at 10 years old knew what they wanted to do um, or 14 or 15 or 18. I had no idea. I was not like a great math student. I didn't have anyone in my life that was an investor or worked on Wall Street. My dad used to bring us into the city quite often, but like that was more for like art and music. And that was what I was into. I was, you know, in music was a really big part of my neighborhood. Everyone was like in a band and, you know, I was really into art. And so I really wanted to find a way to make a career out of art. And I failed my interview with FIT and I failed my interview with um, School of Visual Arts and that was a little soul destroying. So I was like, okay, I don't know what I, what I want to do. I went to Queens College for a year. At that point, getting going to school and getting a degree rather than just faffing around for me was a good idea because it wasn't really anything else to do. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had no major. I didn't get into the art world. I did think, oh, well, maybe I could run, lend creativity and business and get into marketing. So I had a cousin who worked in, in an employment office. So she got me temp jobs, like, you know, temporary positions during, during school breaks and summers. And I would go like be a receptionist in, in a marketing company. And I realized I didn't 
quite like, I didn't gel with the culture in any of those companies. I worked in quite a lot of the, the bigger ones. I just didn't like feel the vibe there. And then I worked, um, she got me jobs at like lawyer's offices and accountants. Office. And I ran like the whole gauntlet of temp jobs while I was at school. And it's a really great way to test out um, an industry. And so I got into my, I left Queens College, I got into Pace, and then I finally got enough school credit to get into, I got like uh, scholarships and Pell Grants and loans, and I got myself into NYU, so I was where I was living in New York, and I got myself into NYU, and she got me, same cousin, got me a temp job down on Wall Street as receptionist, and I went there to work, I was, uh, I was already moved out of my house and needed money to pay bills, and I was working on Wall Street and I just thought, wow, like I walked into their trading floor as a receptionist, but I'd have to walk into the different rooms and accountant's office and all this such. And I walked into the trading floor and I was like, wow, what is this? And it was like all this sort of like, it was chaos, but it was like creative and it was supportive. And there was a camaraderie amongst the people that were there. And I just fell in love with it. I think because it was all this, like I, I say, like, my dinner table was all about debate, you know, it was about food and debate. And you walk into this room and there's all this like negotiation going on and it's the news of the world. And, you know, for a girl from Queens and Long Island that my family didn't travel much. So we didn't get a lot of exposure to the outside world. So walking into this room and I was like, oh, all the news of the world is landing in here. And you have to then decide what it means to these stock prices. But it's a very collaborative, um, supportive environment. And that was my first look into working on Wall Street. And when I worked there, they were really supportive. So I went back to NYU and I declared a major. And I, they, I was with them my last two years of school. And then they offered me a full-time job when I graduated. So that was like my journey into Wall Street. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it's interesting to hear your story of kind of coming from wanting to enter the arts world, any transitioning into business and finding kind of a new new avenue to pursue that creative side of you and in new ways and kind of shifting how you see your goals. So that's really cool. And what exactly were you doing in Wall Street then after your degree? I, I started initially as usually as a lot of people do, like we, I was like an analyst in sales and I, I very, got bored of that very quickly, but it was good foundation. You kind of learned, they taught you how to walk into a company and like when I would go to Japan, I would be sitting in the room with very um, senior people and you get these great interviews. So, you, so they taught me how to look at a company and, you know, how to add the questions to ask, which I still use today to buy my own shares, you know? So I, I sat in those rooms and I talked to the companies and I learned when they were, it was just all BS and when they were real and what, what questions to ask, what questions mattered and what questions didn't matter. Because like I have a list of 20 questions I look at to buy a share, but not every question is important to every situation. So it, was, it, so it paid to work as an analyst. Then I, I moved from there and I did sales because I was quite shy. I think I was quite shy at that age. So I thought sales would really just push me to come out of my shell, which it did. And I did um, sales for a while. Um, But I think I just wanted more accountability. So I eventually moved into what they call a role of sales trading. And what you're doing is you're on the trading floor with all that chaos where, you know, there's like not, not, 
not shouting, but there's a lot of, you know, um, like they have the trading floors down on the stock exchange and then you have the ones in the offices. So I was sitting between the people on the stock exchange and I was, and the clients. So you're talking to the, to the clients on one side who are just filled with super smart people and they're running, you know, money for like, if you're putting money into a pension fund or to a mutual fund or a hedge fund, I'm talking to those people. And then you're also talking to the people on the trading floors that are giving you a price on what they want to do. So it's a really unique position of the chaos and the intelligence. So that was fun. And I did that for, yeah, for that's how I left. But I eventually, I wasn't learning anything new anymore. And so that fun part of it had stopped and I didn't want to advance any further. Like I didn't want to go into management, uh, sitting in a corner office had no interest to me and trying to manage 200 people on trading floor. So I eventually, I think it was 2004, yeah, 2004, I left um, to come here. But it was, it was because it was like a, a move two years in the making that I just wasn't like my alarm went off at five or three every single day. And I loved it. I ran to work and then I was like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And I think it's really important to know in any career that you're in when it is that you're waking up and you're not looking forward to going in. Do you turn left, turn right within the same industry? For me, I left and just yeah, I went traveling and sold my apartment and kind of just closed it. I was like, let me sell my apartment so I can't go back because <laughs> you know? I knew that it would be tempting to go back because someone's going to call with a job offer and it's going to be a good job offer. But I was like, I need to, I need to be done so that I can not re I don't want to say reinvent myself. I'm just so that let me evolve and, and do something new. And I was like, okay, I'm done with finance. Um, that didn't quite work out because I'm back in finance, but it, but a different way. But I think there was, um, yeah. So starting was not was a lot of serendipity, and then leaving was a lot more of a conscious choice. And there was a lot of conscious choices. But you know, in there, what I love about your, you know, you're not too busy podcast is that it, you're talking about time, and time is a really always been a really important part of my life. You know, just realizing that time is so important and um, just making sure I was always a bit quiet enough to know when it was time to go somewhere and when it was time to leave somewhere. And I knew it was time to leave. It's really um, cool to hear your story and kind of how you transitioned both in and out of this field. And definitely a common theme I've noticed from anyone I've spoken to on the podcast or, or also real life, of course, people who are older than me and have gone through career shifts is that it's never just a spur of the moment sort of thing. It, it always is conscious and calculated in a sense and finding that balance of following your intuition and knowing when it's time to change, but also not just going off a whim, knowing off what actually feels right and lines up and, and is the right time to do it. So that's really cool to hear as well. And I'd love to talk more about how you went from leaving leaving the Wall Street world, going off to travel, but now coming back into finance and starting a firefly and what that means to you. And kind of a little bit more about the brand and the company. Yeah, I, so I left, um, you know, traveled for a bit, met my husband. And so it was always an important part of my story that I say that I had quit my job and sold my apartment before I met him. Because then it was like my decision. I wasn't moving here for him. And, you know, so when I was here, I kind of came with a clean, clean slate and I did take a little bit of downtime 
Um, he He's an entrepreneur, so I helped him with his business a bit because it kept my brain ticking over. And then, you know, my, my second career started when I finally had my daughter and I decided to, my mother's, my mother gave me great advice and saying like, you know, a kid grows away from you every single day and you, and you have them until they're about seven and you're their world until they're about seven. And then they really start to grow away from you. And I took that advice on board and I did make a lot of space for her for a few years. But by the time she was getting to four, I was like, all right, she doesn't, she doesn't need me so much. Like this has been a great time. I'm going to need something else to do. And I, so I had this whiteboard in my office and I was just like scribble ideas. Like I'm going to sell ice cream off a truck on the beach. I'm going to open up. Um, I'm going to open up an art gallery. I'm going to open up an art cafe. Like um, I was going to make a real estate trading website. Like I had like so many ideas on the site. I was going to solve the food shortage of the world. Like I had all these ideas. My daughter was, she walked in one day and took the, the eraser and she just erased every single idea on the whiteboard. And I just remember going, oh, oh, I'm free of all those ideas, you know, because sometimes like taking stuff out <laughs> is as liberating as putting stuff in. So, so I was like, okay, maybe I need a little bit more structure because clearly I'm not shortage of ideas. Like some people like, I have no ideas. I'm like, I have too many ideas. So I, I just kind of wiped the slate clean. Well, she wiped the slate clean. And I thought, okay, let me approach this differently. I started my career, I started out working and I, I so wanted to do something with like art and creativity. So let me think about what is my creative talents? I want to make sure that whatever I do takes into account my creative talent. And I was thinking, you know, I like to draw, but I'd actually been on a whitewater rafting trip with uh, someone who was a very important environmental writer and we were talking and um talking about his writing and i was like oh that's a really interesting field you know I, and he saw me journaling he says do you journal a lot i said yeah i've got like draws full of journals he said oh so you're a writer i'm like i'm not a writer he's like if you're writing in your journals you're a writer of some sort and that stuck with me and i'm like in my downtime if i'm doing if i'm any place and i have downtime the one thing i do is write like if my husband and i are traveling he's always drawing and I'm always writing. I'm like, so maybe my creative talent is not drawing. Maybe it is writing. So I was like, okay, creative talent, writing. And I'm like, what am I good at? And I'm like, I am good at finance. And then I was like, okay, what do I care about? And I was like, I care about women. I care about girls growing up and doing finance better than my generation did. And this was before, you know, this came, I was doing this before the Me Too movement, before there was, a, you know, this big aggressive movement that women have really found their voice and really have taken much better control of their lives. So I had these three things that I was circling around and I say, okay, I'm going to write a course on finance. And so I wrote out this whole thing, but I was like, people can't just read about money. Like we're always reading books and now we're not just reading books. We're listening to podcasts and we're watching YouTube videos and watching um, TikTok videos. But then it's like, I, people always get to the end of that and like, what do I, now what do I do? I got this information, now what do I do? So I was like, okay, this has to have an app so that then as people are doing things, as they're reading about things, they have a place to, to put their stuff to work. And I tried to partner up with apps that were on the market and I couldn't find anything that works. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll write one. It's <laughs> like, the best and stupidest idea I've ever had. I've learned a lot about technology and um, 
and it's actually working really well now. But so the roadmap we use is proven. We've had hundreds of people go through it. Um, and so it, it gives you video and audio and um, written, and it gives you this, like this way works. Like we've tried it with so many clients different ways, but we have the way that works. And um, so that's what the app is. It tries to get women to be confident with their finances, um, to get good habits and to have a place to get new knowledge and also apply knowledge that they may get from someplace else to, to run their money, you know, to see where they are, to think about where you want to be, who is the future you, what do you, who do you want to be in five years? Who do you want to be in 10 years? Who do you want to be? Maybe you don't want to think 20 years, but you know, who do you want to be in two years? And you think about that and then you start to use your time and your money to make that a reality. And so, so it does for me involve creativity and I still get to speak to a lot of people, which is always really important to me to be able to speak to smart people and fun people and interested people. And it, to me, it's like, I've seen it make an impact on people. Whereas before I was trading and I was learning and I still run my investments, but it's nothing like seeing the change you can make in someone's life because time and money, I think you've seen it on our site, they're pillars of your well-being. It money is, you know, it's funding everything you do, you know. So I that's why I love that most women, you know, traditionally hasn't haven't really worried about their money or they don't worry about it till they get divorced and they go, oh crap, now I have to worry about it. Whereas I love, you know, 18, a 24, 27 year old getting their their money together because you're setting up your life. You're setting up a big foundation to your life. I quit my job, I traveled, I got here, I settled in, and then I was like, okay, what now? And it's leaving that space, I think, for serendipity. And to me, serendipity is really a combination of um, leaving yourself time, but doing the work in the background, knowing who you are, knowing where you are and what chances you can take. And so, yeah, so my second, well, my third career, because I consider my daughter my second career, but my third career was it was as serendipitous as my first career, and uh, I like that. Yeah, I love that, and it's such an inter- it's so interesting to hear your thought process in brainstorming where you want to take your career and the need to start from scratch and see things from a new perspective. And speaking of financial literacy and everything that women and, and everyone else can gain from a FireFi, I'd love to specifically hear from you though. What are like two to three pieces of financial advice or tips you wish you heard? when you were in your early mid twenties or what you still want to tell people today, because definitely something that I need to learn more about for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I was not taught about money growing up. Um, I think most people still say that, that they're not taught about money. And then um, my great way of making sure I had money was just to work really hard and earn it. And I would say, um, I find a lot of people that come to us focus on one piece of like what I call the financial ecosystem, like things are all attached, but most people are very um, obsessed with the earning side or they jump straight to the investing side, but there is a lot of little pieces in between. And I would say to link things together, my, my biggest piece of advice is it's completely unrelated, but is to know what your ideal day looks like. Okay. And the importance of that is like, if I told you, you should have a schedule, okay? Um, and I'll explain why it relates to money in a second. If I told you you could have a schedule, you would list out the way your day exists now. But is that your ideal day? Are you 
taking care of your body? Are you taking care of your mind? Are you being creative? Are you making time for friends? And so one of the biggest things we do is have you look at how you're spending your day, how you should spend your day. And when you start from that perspective, you do a couple of things. You one start to make sure you're happy. And when you're happy, you tend to spend less money because, you know, like, you know, you hear the expression retail therapy, like you're sad, you go shopping or you're stressed, you go shopping, you're tired, you go shopping, or you go on a trip that's not necessary, or you buy a gift for a friend, or you go out for dinner, or you drink too much. But if you're happy, you tend to make smarter decisions about your life. And because everything you do, generally, we, you know, we don't live on a commune, most of the things we do involve spending money. So the first thing I, I say to people is make sure that you're happy, make, you know, look at how you're spending your day. So one, to prevent you from overspending if you're not happy, but also how you're spending your day is how you're spending your money. It's your budget. Your budget goes back to what you're doing every single day, what you're doing on the weekends, what you're doing on the month. So I start in a really simple thing of telling people, which is not so simple sometimes of saying, start to think about how you want to spend your day. And we do that um, in a certain way within the app as well, but that's a starting point. The second thing is, um, is really simple. And that is to have a money date with yourself. And I would say once a week to spend 10 minutes, at least in your head, thinking about, did I spend the week doing the things I promised myself? And did I spend my money the way I promised myself in my budget? And it's okay if you didn't, but it's being aware. Like you're like, you're very into mindfulness and, you know, it's being aware. Did I go out too much this week? Okay, that's fine. No problem. Had a great time next week. I'm not going to go out. Did I not play tennis this week? It's okay. Next week, I'm going to get back on the tennis court or surf or bodybuilder. So whatever your, whatever that hobby is that makes you, you. So it's that really 10 minutes every week, checking in on that. And then once a month paying your bills and, making sure you're on track with your budgets and taking a big, a bit of a peek into your dreams and things like that. But the third one, um, which is really the most actionable is to start to invest and to invest today. Go, if you don't have an investment account, go open one up, open it up with a thousand dollars, a hundred dollars, $10, but open up an investment account because you're not going to learn how to invest by reading books. You're going to learn to invest by trying and failing and you know top tips for on investing is um for your individual stocks is only invest in what you know you know don't buy things that someone else tells you to buy buy things that make sense to you um what is changing in your life what is new what is old what is you know facebook um just had a decline in users i think this month because it's an older platform, you know, just observe your life and think about, you know, where are you shopping? What are your friends? Um, um, I have a <coughs> portfolio for my daughter for things that I don't understand, but they're her generation. And so I would say, so by individual stocks, I have a 20 point checklist, but that's, but just start, you know, observe the world and buy shares and things. Sometimes I buy shares in companies that are pissing me off. Because I'm like, they're pissing me off, but they're probably also making money because they're pissing off other consumers. And a lot of times those companies tend to make money. And the very least I can do is make money off of their shares. Um, but then, you know, I own some individual stocks, but I also own a ton of mutual funds because I have a day job. And if you want 
to day trade, that's a whole career thing. So I don't, I own shares for two, three, five years plus. I don't own shares for two weeks. And if you want to day trade, I'm definitely not your girl. I don't understand it. And it's, uh, it's a job. Like you have to be sitting in front of your computer trading all day. And I cannot think of anything worse than that. <laughs> so, so I would say like, it's fun to invest in things that you see changing in the world and that you understand because of the age you are, your personality traits and investing in things like that. It's not interesting sitting in front of a computer and trying to trade algorithms. So I would say investing in individual stocks makes you in some ways more interesting. It has a whole new thing to talk about with your girlfriends or your boyfriends or your parents, whatever. And it makes you see the world differently. You start looking at the world like, oh, what's changing? Oh, that's interesting. That's not interesting. And it kind of like broadens your viewpoint because you start looking for opportunities in a good way. Um, like right now, people are becoming much more environmentally conscious and companies that are doing the right things for the environment are doing better. That's not a conversation 20 years ago. Like you couldn't buy enough environmentally friendly stocks 20 years ago. So I would say my biggest tip, start investing. Don't wait to take some big course, you know, just start. And then as your confidence grows, you will grow what you're willing to invest and your investment. Like I bought my first stock, I was probably 18 or 20, maybe 20, um, in a company called Ramtron. They made semiconductors. They've probably been taken over or gone bankrupt, you know, since then. But I've owned lots of things and I stick to some very basic principles and I rarely lose money in my individual stocks. It happens, but not often. And I do own mutual funds because I don't want, like I have a lot of money now for my future, you know, so to buy me work freedom, like I love what I do now and I don't want to retire from it. But if things changed, I don't want to have to go take a job at a supermarket packing groceries. So I put money away and I don't want to manage that money. So I have that money in mutual funds and pensions and things like that. So those, I would say, are my, like, my three top tips. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's really cool to hear your perspective on how to pick a stock and pick something that you know and something that you use and love or maybe hate for whatever other reason as well. <laughs> I think there's so much, there's such a big barrier for people in their 20s or people without a lot of background in finance to delving into the stock world because we feel like we don't know what to buy. But in other senses, the way you kind of put it, at least for myself, makes me feel like, oh, if I'm actually maybe not in the finance world, but the one on social media, the one knowing what kind of brands are cool now, what's going on on TikTok, new platforms. Maybe that actually gives you an advantage in knowing what to Absolutely. buy and where to go next. So it puts a lot of um, agency in our hands, which I think is really cool. So that was a really interesting perspective to hear. Yeah, it's, I always tell people like, finance is simple. Like, you know, it's like lawyers, they put lots of legal terminology and you can read about a lot of terminology and taxes and all this thing, but it's general investment is simple. And if you make it complicated, you can make anything complicated, but just keep your investments simple. Don't own 50 stocks. Like I mm -hmm. own 10 maximum, but I try to only own four this way. I can know those companies really well. And I can know when's an opportunity to buy more and when's an opportunity to sell. And I can, I can manage them. But like mm -hmm. I said, you know, you have a day job, you go into school. I have a company that I'm running, but I always want to own shares because um, it's fun. It's fun and it's interesting. But yeah, you are probably 
in a much better position to pick stocks than I am now because you're like right in the middle of the So yeah, you're in a very, very good position to see the world and what is going on from and and yeah, um, investment, make yourself money out of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And while reading more about you and a firefly, I noticed that you mentioned often how time and money are pillars of of our well-being. And I know we spoke about that a little bit today, but can you expand a bit more on what this means to you and how you see the connection between happiness and time and money and how we can kind of optimize that, I guess, as best as we can. I believe, and um, I read a lot about this online is that like, there's no one thing to your happiness. Like we, as human beings, we, I've been taught um, that there is like 12 elements to our happiness. Right. And the ones that like we saw during the pandemic when we were all closed off. And if you talk to anybody, what did they miss the most? They missed people. Um, they missed going and, you know, they missed art and music and they missed access to adventure. They couldn't travel. They couldn't go see live music or art and they couldn't see their communities. And that kept on coming up over and over again. That is like, it's the stuff that really makes us happy at the end of the day, those type of things, creativity, adventure, and uh, connecting with people. And that's what we, that's what we aim for. Like all the time, all the work that we're doing, ultimately, those are the three things that we're aiming for. But in order to sort of get like, that's our top level of humanity. In order to get there, you start filtering down, like, how do you get there? Well, you need to, there's the essential stuff you have to do in your life. You have to take care of your body and your nutrition. You have to take care of your mind. You need to give it rest, whether you meditate. Um, I know you have Mimi Bouchard on recently and uh, she's got that great meditation app. And um And you need to take care of the physical things in your life, like your home, your maintenance, your neighbors. So you have like this essential line. You have to wash your dishes. You have like, so these like these three things, like your, your home, your mind, your body have to maintain that. Okay. That's a block that sits on the bottom. Like ultimately you have like this top line of this, like you want to be with people, you want to be creative and you want to um, go on adventure. But in order to do that, you have to sort of do these other things that support that time in your life. But underneath all of that is decisions that you're making about how you spend your time and how you spend your money. Because if you spend, if you make decisions to spend your money poorly, guess what? You're not going to have money to go out with your friends. Guess what? You're not going to have money to go on that trip. Guess what? You're not going to have money to go see that live music. Um, my, my relationship with time and money is much more like a tree where it's in the ground is decisions that you are as these leadership decisions that you are making about your time and money. And it's, if you make good decisions about how you're spending your time and how you're spending your money and you're really, you're choosing, you're choosing how you're spending. You're not just letting it happen to you. You're choosing how you spend your money. You're choosing how you spend your time. And those seeds then can come out of the ground And then as they come out, you give them good maintenance, you maintain your body, you maintain your mind. And then if the tree continues to grow and then you do good things like you add new wisdom and you take care of your senses and you take care of your neighbors. And then all of a sudden your tree blooms and those blooms are your creativity, your adventure and your um the time with friends. Like if you were a tree, the, the, the things that you blossom would be that time with friends and in community and creativity. 
your whole podcast is about you're not too busy. It's about intentional decisions. Like we, we say like go intentionally, like that's one of our taglines, go intentionally, grow intentionally, evolve intentionally, like make intentional decisions about your time and money, maintain yourself and you will be able to spend good amount of time up there blooming your best self. I love that. And I love ending on that note. But before we go, mention mm-hmm. where anyone can learn more about you, more about a Firefly, um, plug yourself out. Where can they find you and your company? Yeah, sure. It was on online. We, where the name of the company is a Firefly. A fire means to get something new started. And Fi is just short for finance because that's what we do. We get something new started with your finances. So we are a firefi.com, A F I R E. FI.com is our website. On Instagram, we are a Firefly Studios. Uh, for some reason, a Firefly was taken, which was very weird. And um, on, we do have a presence on Facebook, but it's mostly just our reposts from Instagram. And I think that's just a Firefly. And with, if you go to a Firefly and you join us, then you get access to all our videos and things like that. But we are it's a very personal company. If you have questions, you don't get answered by a bot. Like it's me. I'm usually answering the questions or Nora's answering questions or one of the tech guys, but we're a small group. We do a lot of work for a small group because we're super efficient and we make sure to only spend part of our day working and the rest of the time we are out seeing people being creative and being adventurous. And that makes us better at our jobs. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks again for coming on today. Okay, now thanks so much for your time and uh, and having us. Appreciate it. All right, guys, thank you so, so much if you made it to the end of the episode. I genuinely hope that you were able to take something away from this, whether it's inspiration for your career journey or practical finance tips. If you enjoyed, please feel free to leave a rating or a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow the podcast on Instagram at You Are Not Too Busy Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Noamar Wellness. And I just hope you guys have a really amazing week. Enjoy the amazing weather wherever you are. I hope it's nice there too. I feel like Canada gets probably some of the worst of it. So if it's getting nice here, it's hopefully getting nice where you are as well. Anyways, have an amazing week, guys. Bye.